Our globe is still warming up. Oh wait, no, that's a bad thing. Ice caps are definitely still melting because the globe is warming up. Whatever, you get the idea. We're still talking about disasters, emergencies, and climate change here, folks. As soon as they go away, we'll stop talking about them, I promise. We're continuing the preparedness series today with an episode all about supplies. What do all the preparedness websites say you'll need? The legitimate ones, not doomsdaypreppersunhinged.com. What do you think you'll need? And how do you figure it all out without breaking the bank? We'll have some answers, some suggestions, and a few thoughts to take away in this episode of Globally Heated. Let's get supplied. Let's do it. Hello to everyone out there just trying to exist. I'm Sam. (laughs) You just can't with that rabbit hole. (laughs) And I'm Alex. Deep pause. Pregnant pause. Third trimester pause. And And this this is Globally Heated. Our little blue globe is going through some changes, and there's so much going on. It can be hard to get past all the headlines, hyperbole, which is also pronounced hyperbole, and sound bites, and into the nuances, the gritty complex facts, and the really important yet often overlooked crunchy nougat centers of disaster, climate, social issues, and everything in between, and around, and behind. So join us each week as we travel with you down the rabbit hole to investigate the intersections of disaster and climate with our everyday lives and what we can all do with this crazy, hectic, rapidly heating world of ours. Welcome to episode two of Globally Heated, which is actually our third episode. But anyway, we're stoked you keep coming back. Or if this is your first episode, Welcome, but please check out the prior episode for a wee bit of context. Oh man, if this is your first episode, and it's already our third, but really it's our second scheduled one, the numbers are all mixed up at this point. Um, So if you've stuck with us this far, we really appreciate your resilience to auditory disasters. That's us. Anyway, this week we're going to talk a little bit about stocking up and gathering supplies when it comes to getting prepared for a disaster or some other emergency situation. Please note, this is not going to be a go bag, prepper, bunker kind of podcast episode. We'll talk a little bit about emergency kits and maybe what you should bring with you if you have to evacuate, uh, get out of town for an emergency, but it won't be a long list of every item you might need, and it's not going to go into what you should have for really ridiculous emergencies like, say, the zombie apocalypse, or the inevitable but probably far-off giant space squid attack. Right. No space squid attacks this week. But hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. And tentacles. Hopefully not tentacles. That's what we're trying to avoid, Alex. Oh, that's true. Right. So we actually aren't even going to start off by talking about material supplies, because before you go out and buy or gather anything, you have to get into the right type of preparedness mindset. Exactly. We're going to talk about what the right mindset is and what it is not. Hoarding supplies, like a kid hoarding Kit Kats on Halloween, 
That's not the right mindset. Fear over an instantaneous collapse of society and rampant violent looting? That's a phenomenon that's not necessarily as likely as you might think, and the context of it is usually way more complicated than most people want to believe, so that's not necessarily the right mindset to begin with either. And finally, the prepper-style bunkering. It's maybe not necessarily wrong, but it's probably way extreme for those of us that don't have enough money to just dive into it like a Scrooge McDuck kiddie pool. Moving on from that image, uh, let's start with looting. I'll go get my baseball bat. Please don't. Okay, crowbar. It's better than a bat anyway. That either. I'm, I'm moving on with this, Alex. <laughs> so a lot of people have this fear and disgust of looting before, during, and after a disaster. But let's parse this out a bit and understand the context of this word, especially given how overblown and exaggerated discussions of looting often are. Looting as a term is highly racially coded in the U.S. and is most often used exclusively to refer to people of color perceived to be stealing from or taking advantage of white Americans. It was used in the aftermath of Katrina, and it was more recently used in the aftermath of Harvey, often inaccurately. Generally, when theft does occur, it's because the systems people have come to rely on are no longer functioning and cannot support them. Or it's a situation like when supplies and resources aren't adequate or aren't being given out in a fair and equitable manner. In the case of Harvey, for instance, there were businesses trying to sell cases of bottled water for anywhere from $42 to $99. Price gouging was everywhere, and it was very steep. Food and water were hard to come by and entirely inaccessible for people who were not flush with cash. So yes, theft before, during, and after disaster definitely has occurred and will occur, but rarely in the manner in which it has been portrayed. And it's a much more complicated and nuanced issue than a lot of people give it credit for. Hoarding supplies because you think looters will take them otherwise or worse yet, hoarding them so you can later make a profit off price gouging people who have no other option, is not a helpful reaction in the face of an emergency. Yeah, and we're not saying that looting in a mob or riot style is ever right or okay, but it happens so much less than most people might think, even during really bad disasters. Theft does occur, and again, it's still theft, but oftentimes people have pretty good reasons for doing it. So don't jump to conclusions and don't participate in looting if you see it going on either. That's not cool. We're not giving you an excuse to go out and steal stuff. But understand when you see things on the news, there may be a deeper context to that whole situation. Moving on to hoarding. You're right, Sam. Hoarding supplies for any reason is generally not great. Then please don't do it, folks, whether or not you have a good baseball bat. Most of the time, people start hoarding as a response to fear and a lack of information. No one is telling them what they need, so they go out and buy all of anything they think they can possibly be necessary to them at some point, and they kind of aim to buy a lifetime supply of it. Or alternatively, they'll get a list of things that might be helpful, sometimes from a legitimate source, sometimes from a very questionable one, and then they buy out every store in their area 
that particular product. This is wholly unnecessary, and as we'll discuss in a moment, it can be really harmful to the community's efforts as a whole, and most people as individuals' efforts to prepare adequately for a disaster. I promise you won't need a 12-year supply of toilet paper unless they stop producing toilet paper, at which point it's every man, woman, envy, child, dog, cat, and or fish for themselves. But also, bidets exist, y'all. Our bums would be fine, I promise. There's not an infinite supply of bidets. It could turn into law of the jungle out there. Things could get vicious, dangerous, and gross real quick. That's true. If people started hoarding bidets, I feel like that would just be a really bad situation. The bidet will come when those are not necessary. Okay, moving forward. But first, a quick word from our latest sponsor. This week's episode of Globally Heated is brought to you by Smog. No, not the dragon with the gold. This is something that will help you breathe unhealthy and potentially lethal substances into your lungs. You want the sun to be hazy and indistinct instead of glaring and bright? Want to blur out the skyline when you're trying to look at that city from above? Try smog! No, it's not the bad guy from Fern Gully that I always confuse with Thrax from Osmosis Jones. Smog is the easiest way to use car exhaust and industry fumes to f- screw up your lungs. That was a hard sentence to say. It will also decrease your life expectancy and add a beautiful orange tint to your favorite cities. Warning, smog can and will affect your respiratory system. Please speak to your doctor and maybe try out those masks the CDC is telling everyone to wear right now for some reason. And welcome back. Something else to think about when it comes to hoarding is not everyone has the financial capacity to buy a lot or even most of what they might need. Preparedness looks very different at different income levels. And if you make enough money to go out and buy your local grocery store out of toilet paper and paper towels, that means a single mom working more than one job because minimum wage is bullshit isn't even going to be able to buy one packet of toilet paper to get through the week, let alone the month. We cannot get through disasters and emergencies as individuals, peeps. Think about who your actions are impacting and whether or not you actually need the massive amount of goods you're buying in that exact moment. There are a lot of people out of work and struggling right now, and a lot of people working an enormous number of hours a week just to scrape by. Be kind. Recognize what you actually need versus what your fight-or-flight instincts are trying to convince you you need and think these decisions through. Yeah, thinking things through is important. That's how I went from baseball bat, which is kind of a single-use item, to crowbar, which is both a tool and a weapon, multi-use. That's thinking things through, really important. It's a big part of what preppers who do it right are doing when they stock up. They're thinking about worst-case scenarios and figuring out what they would need if they lost access to things like power, water, or other basic services. Some of them might take it to the extreme, and some of them might overstock on items that aren't really necessary to overstock on, like bullets, which I know for a fact you should not eat. But there's different levels of prepper, and some are definitely going to be more effective than others. If you have a concrete bunker and a 17-year supply of freeze-dried food, then that may be way more than you need in the face of a hurricane or tornado, but you know, zombie apocalypse, might be nice. Being prepared for an emergency doesn't mean being prepared for every possible eventuality. 
but it does mean looking at what you might need for the most likely risks or some less likely but very high impact risks that your area can face. And the systems most likely to fail to support you for that short period of time following a disaster. Canned food and dried goods can be pretty nutritious and are usually a lot less salty than freeze-dried goods. And your house might actually be up to hurricane code, making a bunker irrelevant. That's why you need to know your risks, what you're most likely to face, and supply yourself appropriately for those specific scenarios and especially the results of them. Also, things that make me very angry. There's a $500 emergency kit from Pottery Barn that includes face moisturizer and a flask, but somehow only has enough supplies for three days. Something like this? Not necessary, y'all. Also, why three days? Such a random number. Why? Anyway, you're probably not going to need a weirdo foil space blanket in your emergency kit if you're sheltering at home where you have regular comfortable blankets and comforters galore. Those are way better. Who wants to use a foil blanket? Mine are all foil blankets. I don't have regular blankets. You're also an alien. This is an established fact and I'm not concerned. If you're facing the coronavirus pandemic, you don't need to go out and buy a water purification system that costs thousands of dollars. There is no current threat to our water systems except the fact that access to clean water is not considered a human right. So if your water has not been shut off or is not usually contaminated, your water supply is going to be fine, folks. If you just really want that water purification system or that $500 emergency kit or those fancy extremely high sodium freeze-dried meals that are disgusting and you have the money to buy them, cool. Go for it. You do you, my friend. But none of those things are necessary to be prepared for an emergency. What is necessary is a carefully thought out storage and use system. Even non-perishable goods do actually perish. They have an expiration date. Batteries will decay over time and sometimes leak acid, which is kind of cool, but also terrifying. Also, medications become less effective over time. I'm just jumping back in. So when you're stocking up, think about how and whether or not you will ever use those supplies that you're buying. There are lots of things that people tend to have that they will never use or just don't make sense. If you hate carrots and think they are the most disgusting, vile food ever to exist on the planet, don't buy a crap ton of carrots and put them in your pantry. Uh, You won't eat them normally, and so why would you think you'd want to eat them in a disaster scenario? They're just going to sit there for years and then slowly decay. A lot like those batteries, the cans will just rust and they'll melt through your cabinet and you'll lose your security deposit on your apartment 10 years later when you move out and you're going to have to throw everything away and probably burn the apartment for the insurance money, which isn't going to work because that's not how insurance works. And then your life's going to be a whole mess because you bought too many carrots. So try to choose things that you can rotate through including canned food, medications, water, batteries, etc. Pull your oldest canned goods to the front of the pantry to be used, and when you buy new ones, place them in the back. So try to replace one-to-one as you go. When your battery in your TV remote dies, for example, 
you can go to that kit and pull out some fresh batteries and make sure that you go to the store and replace those batteries right away or have a stock already to pull from so that your kit doesn't get low, but you're cycling through those things that will eventually go bad. Only stock up on things that you can actually use. If you have no first aid training and have no idea how to use a tourniquet safely, don't waste your money buying a tourniquet. Buy a basic first aid kit with supplies that you know how to use and nothing more. Otherwise, you're wasting space on storing a bunch of supplies that aren't useful to you. And think about things that you've used in the past. If you get blisters when you walk long distances, it makes sense to have blister pads. But if you never use those giant band-aids that are for you know, cyclists that get road rash on their entire leg, you probably don't need a whole bunch of those. You might want one for an emergency, but you don't need a pack of 50. Yeah, my roommates and I definitely overstocked when COVID-19 became a tangible threat. Two of us are from Florida. The other one is from Texas. We all acted like a terrible hurricane was about to strand us in the house for weeks without access to grocery stores or restaurants or water or electricity. So yeah, obviously that was overkill. And now I have to plan how to open the pantry every time I want a cookie because otherwise I will get a face full of, wait for it, carrots. You need to eat those carrots. Obviously. We have so many carrots. I don't even like canned carrots. To be fair, I didn't buy the canned carrots, but this is irrelevant. I digress. (laughs) (laughs) But we're rotating through things. We try to incorporate some form of canned or dried goods into our daily meals, and we replace those things we eat the most as regularly as we're able. Because none of us had faced a pandemic before, shocker, There were things that we were very unprepared for. We didn't buy masks or anything to make masks with. One, because none of us can sew. And two, because we just didn't even really think about it. Over-the-counter medications were an afterthought, and it took us time to really get our cleaning product lineup set, especially now that shelves are pretty empty. But now we know. Looking at the possibility of a rebound of COVID-19 in the fall, I already plan to have a handful of homemade washable masks at the ready. Things like painkillers, band-aids, and allergy meds will be ready and waiting in my medicine cabinet. And cleaners like bleach, hydrogen peroxide, and plenty of cleaning rags will be stocked. Right on. I am definitely going to stockpile more candy. But first, let's have a quick word from our sponsor. This week's episode of Globally Heated is brought to you by cavities. Tired of having bright, strong, healthy teeth? Want unexplainable sensitivity in your mouth that makes you cringe with pain? Want to never be able to look at sweets the same way again? Try cavities, the simplest way to pay for the fact that you haven't eaten anything but cookies and sour candy for weeks. Warning, can cause severe mouth and gum health issues. Please consult your doctor before attempting any cavity-inducing activities. Welcome back. Yeah, I uh, was quasi-prepared for this. In my med kits, I try to only keep supplies that I have used in the past or foresee, if something really bad happens, a, a true need to have it. So I don't have like 36 tourniquets. I have one. And uh, 
you know, that's hopefully all I need. If I need more than one, things are probably far worse than I'm going to be able to deal with. One thing that I did have a few of that I wish I had more uh, were surgical masks and uh, some flatfold N95 masks. I got really lucky. I was traveling in Southeast Asia when this pandemic started, uh, when the first report started coming out of China all the way up through the end of February when it had already moved to the US and I was trying to get home and they were shutting down airports. So that was harrowing and I got really lucky. I had supplies from preparedness for another type of disaster. I had been living in California and I had kept some N95 masks in my backpack in case in California, the state caught on fire again and I had to evacuate and drive through heavy smoke. I didn't wanna be choking and coughing while I was trying to drive the car because I'm already multitasking, trying to like change the radio station and, and all kinds of things you shouldn't be doing while you're driving. And so I didn't want to add coughing onto that. And it turned out I forgot to take the masks out of my backpack when I went traveling. And that was a pretty solid mistake that I'm glad I made because we wore those masks on the trip home for, God, what, like 30 hours straight. I had an N95 mask on. Um, that was definitely an interesting experience, and I just kind of got lucky there. So some of prepping for a disaster is just being able to use what you have on hand. Hopefully you get lucky or you're really well prepared is the better one to go with, and it's the right thing, but sometimes it's just making use of what you've got. I always carry a handkerchief because there's lots of uses for them, and I could have used that in lieu of a mask. wouldn't have been ideal, but it would have worked. So I guess my big conclusion with this is to really try to think about the possible effects of a disaster or hazard. What is it going to cause, right? You don't prepare for a hurricane, you prepare for safety during high winds and possible flooding. You prepare for power to be possibly knocked out um, or the water supply to be contaminated for several days, maybe to not be able to drive to the grocery store or get food for several days. Those are the things you have to think through. And when you look at lots of different types of disasters, you see commonalities in these effects. And then you can prepare by getting supplies that will support you across lots of these effects that overlap. That way you don't have to have this massive cache of things that are all very specifically tuned. You have a broad array of items that will help you in many different situations. Okay, my friends, here is where we get into what we have nerdily yet lovingly named the Cool It Toolkit. Cool It Toolkit. Every episode, we'll spend a few brief yet wondrous moments discussing what the heck you and everybody else can do about this nutball world of ours and what's happening in it. All the things are happening in it. All the things. You can find all the resources and links we mention here through the Cool It Toolkit page on our website at globallyheated.com and feel free to reach out if there is something you want to see that isn't there. In this episode, we discussed what you can do to be prepared when it comes to supplies, including how to think through what you really need. And we used a lot of really great resources to put all of this information together, so go take a look. Our biggest piece of advice this week is know what you use and what you can use. We have linked a few different supply lists that we think could be useful depending on situation, and a few that are just silly and fun and might give you a chuckle. 
Also, check out the links we've posted to a few videos showing you different ways you could rotate your supply stock and plan to use and replace things before they become unusable. And remember, not everyone can afford to stock up on supplies before a disaster. Supplies can get really expensive, and being able to stock up is definitely a privilege and a luxury. So if you can, visit those links we provided for food banks and mutual aid funds and help out your community members that could use a hand right now. Oh, and one more thing. It's about blood. That stuff that keeps all of us from looking like deflated balloons. But it's also super critical for helping people with cancer and injuries and having to undergo transplants in the hospital and lots of other things. And it's usually understocked during national and local disasters. So if you visit the Cool It Toolkit page on our website, you can find a safe, socially distanced blood drive near you. I donated some blood. If you are healthy, willing, and able to donate, uh, that's a great way to help out. And you get cookies, which I'm really into. And it's a weird feeling having stuff that should be on the inside of you on the outside. But it's also a good feeling knowing you might be helping someone who may have been overlooked when we're all thinking about this virus and forgetting that there's still people getting into car crashes or going through cancer treatments or any of these other things that require blood or blood products. Well, the world is hotter. So but, much hotter. So much hotter. But hopefully we've all got a little more context for what's happening on it. That's all we've got for you guys this week. Thanks so much for listening to all of our shenanigans, especially Alex's shenanigans. And uh, please subscribe if you want to hear more from us on a weekly basis. Feel free to leave us a review on any and all of your podcast apps. Yeah, you can subscribe even if you don't want to hear more from us on a weekly basis. If you want to hear less, subscribe and that'll let us know that you're ignoring some of our podcasts, but listening to the really important ones. Also, give us five-star reviews. There's no other type of review. It's not, it's not even an option. Don't try it. Don't even click on the stars to the left of the fifth one. Yep. No, five is the only option. Oh, yeah. Also, check out our website, globallyheated.com. .com. Don't go to .net. It's, it's a weird site. It's terrifying. .com is the one you want. Um, you can find our podcast notes there, and you can follow our blog with more posts about our little adventures in disasterdom some cool infographics, lots of helpful links, and all kinds of other stuff as soon as we think it up. We'll put it on there. It'll be cool. Go for it. Go check it out. And be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Globally Heated for updates on the podcast and the blog. Oh, yeah. And one more thing. At us at any of the things that we have that start with at with any of your bidet puns. I would love to hear more bidet puns. So, today oh, for no. <laughs> Yes, yes. The music in our episode is by Kevin McLeod. And until next time, I can't do an Australian accent. I don't know why I'm even trying. No, no, no. We're not doing it. Not doing it. <laughs> Unusable. I've ruined the whole episode is ruined with that one. Until next time, stay stupendous. Stay safe out there. Da 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 da